the game from Billy Press Talk Radio, Bill Furman, and Jim Chester. It's Tuesday, August 18th, 2020. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesco. Hey, Chet, the Flyers have taken control of the series, beating the Canadians again today, two to nothing, back to back shutouts for Carter Hart for a 3 1 lead. The Sixers opened their first round series with a loss to the Celtics. That wasn't very pretty. The Phillies are coming off a sweep of the Mets, but now hit the road for 10 straight games. And the Eagles are finally in pads, Chet. August, it's busier than ever. Yeah, it's an August like we've never experienced previously for sure, Bill. We're going to talk Phillies and Eagles later, but we first need to talk about our teams that are in the playoffs, both in a bubble far, far away from Philadelphia. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we got a couple great guests tonight uh, that are making return visits to Philly Press Box Radio. And uh, Lou Nolan, PA announcer for the Flyers Extraordinaire, will be here. And 97.5, the Fanatic and Sixers outsider Tyrone Johnson will be here to talk about the Sixers. Yeah, you know, we haven't talked to either Lou or Ty since late last year, so it's going to be great to catch up with both of those guys, especially with the Flyers doing so well in the playoffs. The Sixers in the playoffs, too. Not doing quite as well. The big question, of course, Bill, how deep can either team go? I fear we know the answer already regarding the Sixers, but, hey, maybe they'll surprise us. Well, I, I think we know the answer for the Flyers, too. And, uh, you know, this is this is where we hope they would be. They're up 3-1. to one. I think you and I both picked Flyers in five uh, last week. But I tell you what, this, uh, this Canadian team is a little better than I thought they were. They played good hockey until today. Flyers played their best game today. Yeah, they did. Uh, they were really good, blocking a lot of shots. Uh, they gave Carter Hart all the protection that he needed, and he stopped, what, 28, 29 shots, everything that threw his way. Uh, great to see. You'd love to see a little more scoring still out of the top guys, but we'll talk to that. Lou says that he is on, so let's see if he's there. Well, you know, I, I think the thing that uh, that is really interesting to me is I, I wanted to call Lou today and say, Lou, we need the, the call for the Pico power play. We need to get <laughs> something going. I think we have Lou with us now. So, uh, Lou, welcome back to Philly Press Box Radio. Thanks. Good to be on. It's a good day for Flyers. Yeah, huh? Great win for the Flyers, that's for sure. We're going to talk about the power play in just a minute, Lou, and maybe we'll get you to give us uh, the call that you're so famous for. But, Lou, oh. the, reason the, the reason the Flyers won games one, three, and four primarily was the guy in goal – What's your impression of this kid who just turned 22 last week, Carter Hart? Well, very sharp uh, young man who uh, has got his head on straight, has been well coached since since he was a kid, uh, and uh, manages to, to to find himself in the right position a lot. Uh, and uh, you know he's there and he makes the saves. And, uh, you know, he's psychologically, he, when he has a bad game, he just throws it behind him. He's, he's, uh, since, uh, since very early on, he's been seeing sports psychologists and, uh, all to the good. I mean, all the goalies do it. Uh, you kind of need to do that to, to learn how to take something like a five, nothing loss, which really was your fault to be that bad and, uh, you know, put it behind you and have a couple shutouts. I mean, it's amazing. He, he is, um, a real, strong uh player period 
And uh, as a goalie, boy, I just love him. He's just a great kid. Hey, Lou, I was saying before you, you came on that uh, the Canadians, I guess, are a little better team than I expected them to be. Um, you know, this to me is a little bit, I guess you call it a slugfest uh, series, low scoring, uh, tight to the vest, not a whole lot of shots, actually, really. Um, you expect to see more of this throughout the playoffs, or you think it's going to open up a little bit? Well, uh, you know, when, when it gets to playoff hockey, uh, I always thought in the West it was wide open. <laughs> and in the East here, uh, it was like a bang your head, uh, like you're saying. It, it, it's There isn't a lot of room. Uh, if you notice, there aren't – I mean, when's the last time you saw a line rush result in a goal? It just doesn't happen. Um, guys are big. They're in position. Uh, Montreal is a better team than many, many people gave them credit for. Uh, and, um, you know, they are well coached. I, I wish the best to Claude Julian, who is uh, uh, recuperating from a heart procedure, and uh, Kirk Muller is doing a nice job with them. But, uh, you know, they, they just uh, – they're not uh, a pushover. And, um, you know, for us to go up in the manner we have now, 3-1, to one, uh, it would be wonderful to just finish them off uh, tomorrow night uh, and um, – I hope that happens, but it won't be an easy road. It won't be an easy road. That's for sure. Well, speaking of not easy, uh, I got to ask you about the power play, Lou. Since the restart, the Flyers are now one for 28 on power play opportunities. I think it's because they're missing you. Uh, I want to ask you about the flat <laughs> power play, your impressions. But before I do it, give it to us, Lou. What do we hear when the other team gets hit with a penalty at the Wells Fargo? <laughs> and the Flyers are going on the Pico power play there you go. i don't do that for a lot of guys they want more <laughs> believe that. me but you you guys will take care of you that's for sure so what is the problem why are they struggling so much Lou? well it, it's like everything else you know they it, when you play a, a, a series of games uh and you, you know you're you're scouted you're scouted and and everybody gets a chance to watch you uh and um uh, it seems to me that uh what we're seeing happen here uh, is that, uh, you know, we're, we, I thought the power play was much better today, by the way. Uh, we moved the puck. We got it to the net. It just didn't get it done. Uh, and, you know, the, the one for whatever, you mentioned the number. I don't worry about those things. We're winning games. Yeah. Uh, it, is, uh, is ludicrous. I mean, it should be much better when you have stars. The problem is that the Canadians are a very good shot-blocking team. And, you know, you throw, throw it back to the point. And if your guys are static and they're not moving around a whole lot, uh, you know, there's a shot from the point. One of their guys lays down in front of it. You know, they're crazy, the, the stuff they do. And, and you know, the puck is deflected. Every once in a while, one gets deflected in. But for the most part, you know, they, they stay away from that little uh, uh, four-by-six uh, rectangle and uh, go to the corners or something of that nature. But um, I would like to see our power play start to click. Good Lord, I mean, if it does. Just think, you know, and I'm sure that, uh, you know, uh, uh, Vino is working on ideas to create offense on the power play. Uh, you know, our offense is coming from lines that are late in the matchup, you know, third line, fourth line. And in a game like today, there was a second away game for us, the first two were home games, the away games, you get that kind of production from down in the lineup because he has last change in Montreal. So they can actually, you know, they, we throw our starters out there and they, and they start a, you know, I mean, we start 
Raffle and uh, Tyler Pitnick and Nate Thompson at forward because who knows who they're going to start. So they can either start their top line against us and try to play like that, and that's what the coach hopes he's going to do because he's putting his defensive specialists out there. But, hey, if, they, if, if somehow they're rolling three lines and we're rolling four, somewhere there's a mismatch. And um, they, they're matching a lot of lines. So I think that's a lot of it. I really do. I, defensively in the playoffs, it's the name of the game. And the goalie, the goalie is the first first one to start to talk about it. I thought on, on Raffles' goal, I thought that Carey Price was a little bit out of position because there was a lot of room on that long side. And Rapp saw it, and bingo, there's a goal. I mean, you guys, if you watched, you would have seen that. I don't know if you were able to do that or not. Yep. And and the second goal was just like a, a, a he didn't expect it, and he sort of fanned on a, a puck that that wobbled a little bit, hit the ice, and then bounced up about at 12, 13, 14 inches over his pad. He figured it was going to hit his pad over his pad and under his arm. So, um, you know, who knows? It's uh, it, it's a funny game, and, and it's funny with uh, with hockey pucks. They try their best to keep them frozen and uh, take them out of play a lot and put new ones in at the low temperatures. But every once in a while, one's out there for a while, it may lose two or three degrees and become a little rubbery, and especially if the shot is, uh, you know, like a knuckle puck that bangs on the ice. You never know where it's going to go, and that's what happened. Hey, Lou, you, you've watched thousands of games. Uh, you've watched the Flyers forever. This team, how, how do you think they stack up overall against some really good teams, and the Flyers teams, and do you think their chances of advancing are pretty good? And I ask you that because I think, you know, you take JVR out of the lineup, you put Farabee in, you lose nothing. As a matter of fact, you might gain. Uh, you have Gosses Barrett, it's not playing. If he has to come in due to an injury or whatever, you, you lose a little on defense, you might gain a little on offense. I mean, this team has has a lot of depth, and they have a second goaltender if they were to have to have one. Uh, yes, I think this is a very strong team depth-wise, and I think that just comes from the fact that, uh, you know, you think about it, a lot of these guys are Hexies guys that he drafted, and he was patient, patient, patient with. And, you know, I mean, he was a little too patient. Uh, according, you know, uh, and and they wound up, you know, Hexy went went on his way, and um, the players stay here. Uh, so you know, it's that's uh, it, it, they're they're deep, they're deep, and they've got players that can come in and play hard. You know, you've got a guy, you know, Konechny, who took a bad shot in the ankle, and you know he's out there, he's out there again. I said, boy, these guys are amazing. Just think if a major leaguer got one of those. <laughs> might be out for the season, but um, hockey players are a different sort. Uh, and um, you know, I think that if you take this team or, or a modern team within the last two years or say, and then stack it up to the teams of the past, I think talent-wise, they're about the same. Uh, maybe some of the other teams are better, but the fact that with the speed of the game is such that, um, like the Stanley Cup-winning team playing against this team be in trouble this, this team would be too fast for them they wouldn't be able to stay with them and it's just the speed of the game you know everybody says the speed of the game is is really a puck movement you know depending on how you move the puck so um it, it's fast it's, if, you're, if you're down where i am you really see it it's just amazing the way they pass the puck and and on their sticks i mean you know guys pick it up uh they're good they're good this is a good team Bobby Clark is on line one for you, uh, Lou. He's not happy with what you just said. 
<laughs> Whitey, Whitey knows. He knows. He said it before, especially since he would say, good Lord, you know, I'm 74 years old. I wouldn't be playing well against those guys. I've heard that from <laughs> exactly. a couple times. Well, yeah. that is a good point. All right. So over <laughs> the first six postseason games, uh, seven now, and the three-round Robin games, including that, um, the Flyers have exactly zero goals from Claude Giroux, Sean Couturier, Kevin Hayes, Travis Konecki. Is that a concern, Lou? Well, sure. Sure, it's a concern, but the fact of the matter is that everybody contributes in their own way. And, uh, you know, uh, the the players, um, you know, take some assists. Kevin Hayes has been, been very, very good. Killing yeah. penalties has been very good. Uh, and, um, you know, the guys contribute different ways. The fact that they're not getting goals, hey, I'm sure they wish they did. Uh, and uh, and I think that management's the same way. They just kind of know what's going to happen. They just don't know when it's going to happen because these guys are talented players, and they're playing with the right people. You know, the the the, the line mates haven't changed a couple times, but hey, you know you got Jake Vorchek there, who's uh, you know passing the puck like crazy, and uh, you know gets in front of the net and something deflects off him, and next thing you know he's got a goal. So you need you need a lucky goal. You need something to get you started, and. Um, uh, I think the Flyers would be very, very happy to uh, to get a couple of goals from their big guys. And I think they will. You know, the whole Toronto bubble thing and all that, uh, playoff hockey is the best. And what, how do you see the intensity in the games? Are you see, are you feeling that same intensity? I get, to me, not having the crowd involved. Like a, a game three after a 1-1 home split, you'd be going up to their rink. Uh, for game three, you didn't have that. Um, the fans are usually in a lather by this time. There are no fans. Do you see the game having the same intensity as normal? Uh, I do, but I think the intensity is different. I think uh, a lot of guys feed off of uh, the crowd, uh, some more than others. Um, and, you know, I mean, I'm not there to see the game in Toronto. But, I mean, I certainly see the games here, and I've seen enough of them there to understand what we go into there. Uh, and uh, it's, it's a nasty environment, and uh, it's tough. But, and, and I think when you're on the road like that, uh, it may uh, cause you to, to, to uh, pay attention to the right things instead of the wrong things. Uh, so, you know, I mean, your guess is as good as mine, actually. Uh, does it mean more? Well, you know, guys are sequestered. They're trying to keep them busy, you know, have ping pong tournaments, watch movies, do whatever they do. And um, it's it's just uh, a different atmosphere. Do I wish there were fans? Oh, absolutely. I, would I rather be doing the games here in Philly on the ice instead of what I'm doing, you know, all the way up in the press, press box? Sure. I mean, right now we're running a, a second screen uh, on the Flyers website. And, you know, you can click on the Flyers website home ice experience and and hear everything that happens during a home game so you go to that you click on a thing you sign in and then you put your ipad next to your television and you can hear everything just like you were there you won't see any t any, any video that's on the the nbc feed but you'll hear everything and you turn the sound up and sure enough there's the pico power play uh, there's the goals there's the assist there's uh, our in arena host doing their thing uh, and uh, there's all the music that goes along with it, an occasional commercial, of course. But, uh, you know, I mean, that's we're, we're trying to do our best to uh, to make the experience strong home-wise. So we've done our homework, 
and uh, it's gotten better every game. Better every game. We got you know got a thousand people listening to it. Yeah, where can that? Where can you listen to that? Because I'm going to tell you, I didn't know it. Uh, where? Yeah. Tell, tell us where you can listen to that again. So you go on the Flyers website, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com. There's a, a red rectangle, not red, orange rectangle there that says Home Ice Experience. I think is what it says. You click on that. That takes you through a menu that you can then put yourself uh, on a uh, a stream that begins with music, goes right up to the face-off, gets the lineups, you know, everything everything you would normally hear if you were at a game. So you watch the game in video, and you listen to the stream, and it gives you goals, assists, and so forth, just like you would be in our building. So you ought to give that a try. I think I think you'd like it. Absolutely. Yeah, I heard about it, and I haven't gotten around to checking it out, but I absolutely will. Well, Lou, uh, last week, Bill and I, before the playoffs started, we both predicted the Flyers would win this series in five games. We didn't make a prediction beyond that, but I'm going to go out on a limb right now and say the Flyers are going to the finals. Uh, how far do you have this team going, Lou? I don't do that, um, honestly. <laughs> uh, I really don't. Uh, you know, I've seen countless playoff games and, and countless playoff teams and, and you know, as, as we were saying, thousands of games, uh, I take them one at a time. I mean, I really do. And um, do I think they should win this series? Yeah, especially now. You know, you got a couple shots at it. And um, that doesn't mean that the game won't be tremendously competitive. And then you really don't know who you're going to get. You know, you don't know who you're going to get next. Um, but uh, and you can't count out somebody that's down three to one. You really can't. I mean, based on the fact that the Flyers were down three nothing and came back and won in Boston, even being down three goals to none. Remember that year. So, oh, yeah. you know, it's it, it just things can happen and things can change. So I know the Flyers are going to have to play their best game of this series tomorrow. You know, eight o'clock. It's a late game. Tune into uh, into that uh, website. Listen to some of the stuff we're doing. You might you might enjoy it. Absolutely. Hey, one other question, Lou. Uh, Dale Howarchik wasn't around long with the Flyers, but he passed away from cancer. Uh, I guess he was only what fifty seven or sixty seven. Uh, uh, I I I think it was fifty seven. Yeah. Um, Did you I'm not know quite him at all? sure. Did you get to know? Oh him yeah, all? just yeah, briefly. I mean, you know, when guys come through like that, I think he 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 was in. Uh, uh, I think he had 67 games and he scored almost a point a game. You know, he was a, he was a very classy guy and a, a, a really smart hockey player. Yeah. Uh, he came here in the twilight of his career back when uh, we were getting a lot of those uh, twilight guys to come in and try and fix things and uh, didn't always work. Hmm. But he, he had a lot of class. I felt badly. I knew he was sick and I saw, you know, that he had passed and they did a they did a moment of silence uh, up in Toronto, and uh, we did a little thing during the stream talking about him. And I just uh, sent him an RIP on the web uh, to to him. I, I wasn't a great friend of his, but I, I met him a number of times, and he was a nice man. I do have his stick in my collection, um, and um, yeah, so uh, along with a bunch of other ones, uh, not a lot of flyers, but a lot of guys that are Hall of Famers. But uh, um, yeah, I, I, I felt badly. You know, you feel badly with people in the game that you meet and you like, and I did like him. Uh, I like most everybody. And I think there was only one guy I didn't like, and uh, that was Brzezgalov. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> and he threw me under the bus once. So. Yep. On a year. So, 
You know, it's a bad deal. But he was he was a space cadet anyway. Yes, he was. Oh yeah, real time, real time space cadet. Hey Lou, I have one final question for you, Elaine Vigneault, uh What what can you say about the job he's done, and uh, and I guess Chuck Fletcher as well, making some late season acquisitions. I guess they were late season. It was like last year, it seems. Uh, <laughs> great, great job by those guys. Uh, what do you think? Well, uh, let's start with Chuck. I think Chuck has done a real fine job. Uh, he did bring in uh, AV and those assistants. I mean, think about it. You know, you got three head coaches back there, right? The assistants are former head coaches. And then you add Lappy to it, who gets along with all the players. I mean, there's a guy that gets gets along with people. And, um, you know, you throw in uh, Kim as a goalie coach and a few other people, and you've got a whole group of guys who have a lot of experience and they're very sharp. Uh, Vigneault doesn't mess around. They know before they go on the ice for every practice – exactly what they're going to do you see a lot of practices if you go out there and the, you know everybody bangs their sticks they stretch a little and then they go over to a board for five minutes and a coach does a lot of things and then they go and do things well that's not the way uh, av does it they know what they're going to do they come out they stretch they start right away and they have a real strong uh, 40 minutes and they don't mess around. There's no downtime at all. So, and that's that's part of conditioning too. He tries to do that with the team. But uh, he's very good. Uh, Cliff is smart, very very smart. I know him a long time. His dad was in the business, and I knew him when when uh, in my early years. Uh, so uh, uh, smart guys, and we got uh, we got good men, you know, in position now, uh, along with Dave Scott running the show, and uh, we're all dying to get back in the building. You know, we're just dying. Uh, every time I go down there for these games and I'm doing every game on this stream, uh, you know, I go in, I check in, I walk down the hallway and I say, boy, it's better when there's people in here. It's yeah. much better. For sure. For sure. Well, hey, Lou, we're out of time already. We certainly appreciate you coming by. Great stuff as always. And let's do this again. And we, and we appreciate the call. Well, sure. Chet, Bill, you guys uh, have a great show, and uh, thank you for uh, allowing me to uh, spend some time. Oh, thank our you. pleasure. Thanks, Lou. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. Right. Hey, Chet, if you're looking for insurance in the tri-state area, we got the spot for you. All state insurance in Westchester, PA. Yes, we do, Bill. One of the best benefits of having an all-state insurance policy is getting a local agent like Dave Lavoy, who is dedicated to you. Building that personal relationship means you can work with someone who knows you and understands your family's needs, someone you can call when you have questions or need help. Dave is dedicated to protecting what's most important to you and your family. Call Dave today at Allstate in Westchester, Pennsylvania. The phone number is 610-430-0700. Again, that number, 610 430 Oh, 0700. All right. Well, hey, Chet, let's move on. Talk about the fight and fills. If they could play the Mets all the time, who knows what might happen? They're coming off a sweep, but now the fills hit the road for 10 games. Yeah, the Phils have owned the Mets, well, last year and so far in this short season here in 2020. They were 12-7 and seven against the Mets last year, and then this three-game sweep this past season. And the good news is they play them seven more times this year, so that is theoretically a good thing. And now they have two games up in Boston, which we thought would be a big concern earlier, but the Red Sox stink this year. They're, they're, bit, they're pitching. Their starting pitching is as bad as the Phillies' bullpen has been, been. So hopefully the Phillies could sweep a pair up at Fenway and, you know, make some more inroads because 
you know, believe it or not, Bill, the Phillies right now are on the cusp of that final wild card sp uh, spot in the expanded postseason this year. So who knows? And then after two in Boston, they have a Thursday DH against the Blue Jays in Buffalo and then a weekend series against the division rival down in Atlanta. So, you know, anything could happen. Yeah, and you know, I think it's interesting in looking at this schedule and these doubleheaders and maybe more doubleheaders if there's a rain out or, or whatever happens. You know, I don't know that that – I think you have to have six starters, you know, ready oh, to yeah. go because of the tight schedule. But to the other side, maybe that plays better to the Phillies in some cases with Wheeler and, and uh, Nola and maybe even with Arietta because they can go all seven. And there's two games you don't have to go to that stinking lousy bullpen. Yeah, absolutely right. Uh, you know, hopefully the bullpen will get better. They looked a little better, certainly, over the past weekend. And I'm not going to hold my breath on this one, but there's talk that David Robertson could reappear in about three weeks. So, I mean, if that happens and he's effective, that would be great because he's automatically one of the best guys if he's healthy. Yeah, and I think Ranger Suarez is yeah. not too awful far away either. He started – he headed to Lehigh Valley or wherever they're hiding out. Ben Franklin Field over there <laughs> in the park or something. But, uh, you know, Suarez might be back as well. So that that's an ad that they definitely could use, I think. And, hey, how about the first quarter of the season that both Bryce Harper and JT Real Muto have had? They've been pretty good. They have been real good. They've <laughs> been real good. And how about Alec Bond making his debut? I'm excited. You know I'm excited about that. Yeah, he's going to play every day, it looks like, at third base, especially with, you know, a couple of guys down because Hazley's on the I.L. Oh, and by the way, you owe an apology, I think, to Roman Quinn. He's back. He's okay. He did the right thing Sunday. Apologize to Roman Quinn, Bill. I ain't apologizing to Roman <laughs> Quinn. It'll only last another 15 minutes to be hurt again. <laughs> he probably will get hurt in the next couple of days, but he did the right thing, Bill. Hey, one more baseball thing before we, uh, we get to tie here shortly. Dick Allen. Number 15 is going to be retired. The Phils are breaking their own rule that they have had forever to let Dick Allen into the Hall of Fame or the retired numbers of the Phillies. Yes, and this is further a further example that you and I don't discuss things before the show because guess who I'm going to mention in my parting shot? Oh, well, then we'll let it go. We'll let Notice it go. the shirt? Ah, oh, there you go. I do now. All right. <laughs> we'll let that go. Stand by. All right. Well, hey, Chet, uh, let's jump over to the Sixers. They opened this series with the Celtics, a 109-101 loss. Got outscored by 12 points in the fourth quarter. You're certainly not going to win that way. Uh, so let's get to the bottom of what's happening in this series for the Sixers without Ben Simmons. And we got 97.5, the Fanatic, and Sixers outsider Tyrone Johnson with us. Ty, welcome back to Philly Press Box Radio. Hey, Ty. Oh, Ty, you hear us. There he is. Oh, no volume. Pump up the volume, Ty. Pump up the volume. Let's see. Maybe we have to do something What's here. What's going on? There, there we you go. are. There you are. Hey, Ty, you are a busy guy these days. You're doing your afternoon gig at 97.5 The Fanatic. I guess you got a day off today because of the schedule. Uh, you do your Sixers Outsiders duties following the Sixers playoff games, which is every other night for now. I'm guessing yeah. you're okay with all of that, though, keeping busy. Yeah, it's important to keep busy right now, and I'm glad to have sports back, period. Absolutely. Well, hey, Ty, the Sixers opened up their Ben Simmons-less Simmons list, uh, and not a real good show last night, especially down the stretch, given, you know, being outscored by 12 points in the fourth quarter. That's not good. 
No, but it, it's not altogether surprising, though, mainly because of the guard play right now. Um, they they don't have enough at, at the guard right now without Ben Simmons. And um, I don't even think that changes even with the Hayward injury. I think they're still a little bit short. Well, getting back to last night's fourth quarter, um, you know, they let that lead slip away after they scored 15 in a row. The Sixers did to take a four or a six-point lead. Then Boston scores nine in a row. Coach Brown has taken some heat for that, not getting the ball enough to Embiid. How much blame does Brett Brown get for this one in particular? In the fourth quarter, he gets a tremendous amount. And even if, even if in the flow of the game, things played out the way that it did, it couldn't play out out of timeouts. There were at least two different times out of timeouts where the play was drawn up for Tobias Harris instead of Joel Embiid. That alone, to me, is, is malpractice. You have to get the ball to your best player in that situation. And then Tobias, is, is he's your second option right now. Fine, so be it. But two times in a row out of timeouts, when I, when, while the game was still close, we're talking about a one or two possession game at that point, the ball went to Tobias instead of Embiid, and that's on the coach because he drew up the play in the huddle. That was bad. Yeah. Hey, Ty, how, how important do you think it was for the team with Embiid missing those? He only had eight games to begin with. Embiid misses some of them. Then Simmons gets hurt. Again, we've, we've talked about this, it seems like, for two or three years. They don't ever seem to have enough continuity going into these playoffs because Embiid doesn't play or something happens. And they just, you know, they, what they had, uh, was it seven guys that played 30 minutes last night? Um, yeah. It's almost like they don't have a roster, you know, any set roster, rotation. Yeah, continuity plays a role. But I, I think that it's more talent uh, losing Simmons and Robinson. That's a sneaky thing. Um, clearly, the coach, all he talked up that Corkmans thing. You saw how many minutes he plays. He's, he can't play in the playoffs. He, he, and now Marcus Smart's going to have to start, which means he really can't play because Marcus Smart will just destroy him. Um, Mike Scott was up and down all year. So the continuity is a thing, but there's just not enough talent when you lose Simmons and Robinson. They were banking on Burks and Robinson. Burke's obviously been very good to really bolster this bench, and you lose one of those guys plus Ben Simmons. There's just not enough. I think the flaw there, more than continuity, is just uh, the way the roster was built and a lack of talent. There's not enough talent. Well, you mentioned Furkan Korkmaz, and I got to tell you, I, I love listening to you and Mike while I'm at work during the day, which is you know very nice. I get to do my job while listening to you guys do your job. And uh, Mikey Miss in particular is not exactly a huge Furkan Korkmaz fan, and I think he has shown recently why you guys feel that way. He generally doesn't come up big in big games. He'll never be a great defender. Why has Brett Brown stuck with him as long as he did? I think there's two reasons why he stuck with him so long. I think one of the reasons is he picked him. Um, the plan from the GM was to find a veteran shooter, and namely Kyle Korver. And it came down to basically the Sixers or the Bucks, and Korver chose the Bucks because he thought he played more there based on the beginning of the season. And then, ironically, he actually played his way out of the rotation up there, but he might win a title, so maybe it'd be worth it for him up there. But so then they bring back Corkmans on that minimum deal, like a minimum plus one deal because he was the coach's guy. But the plan was for him to not even be here. And I think he's attacked, a, a, attached to him for that reason. And he can make shots when he's open, but in the playoffs, you're not just going to be open. Right. You have to be able to make JJ Redick is a real shooter. Corver is, you need a guy who has been a shooter for a long time, not a young guy 
who can make shots when he's wide open, but really has just no hope to he and he only got one shot off yesterday, I think. In the first half, he got zero shots off. Yeah. Like he like the defense gets into him and he, he couldn't even get a shot off. So if, at that point, it's just you can't play him. Well, Ty, I, I tell you, I have to admit that I am off the Joel Embiid train. Uh, the, the fact that he sits out of games just really disturbs me. And uh, tell me I'm wrong. Well, of course you're wrong. Um, <laughs> like, be, because it again goes back to guard play. You know, people, when they talk about the dominant centers of the past, the ones that have won, I, ironically, if you look back, all of them have had great guard play while they played. You look at Shaq. I was looking at Shaq, for example. He made it to the finals um, six times. He won four titles. All of those were either prime Penny Hardaway, pre-injury, Kobe Bryant, or Dwayne Wade. Shaq himself, without great guard play, never went anywhere. Same with Duncan. Tony Parker's a Hall of Famer. Mm. Same with David Robinson, the guys that won. Will Chamberlain won two titles. He had Hall of Fame guards, both of his titles. Bill Russell, every one of his titles came with a Hall of Fame guard. Yeah, and the ones every, every it's time. The, it's not the player that bothers me. Once he's on the court, I think he's great. But it's this not knowing if he's going to play every night is, I guess, what bothers me. Yeah, but I mean, Kawhi Leonard doesn't play every night. Kawhi Leonard played less games than Joel Embiid last season, for example. He looked pretty fresh in the playoffs, and then Toronto goes and wins the title. I think that this has become a very different culture too. No one really it was talked about, but no one takes away from Charles Barkley in the grand scheme because he doesn't win a title. People knock James Harden every day. Every day because he doesn't have a title. He he doesn't never he never sits out, but and maybe he should because he's ran out of gas in the playoffs. But we now the game is just different now. It has become completely championship robust. Like it's actually shameful that Wilt Chamberlain only has two titles since people say he's the best player of all time. Yet they don't talk about that in the conversation. In today's world, that would get talked about every day. It's just I think the world has changed to where the title has become so important that it does have to reduce the importance of the regular season. Now, should it? I don't think so. I think James Harden, for being in the top, he's going to finish in the top three in the MVP poll in like five straight years. That, to me, is significant. For over 82 games doing that over and over and over again, no one cares. Different culture. Yeah. So we seem to talk a lot about uh, this guy on our show, Brett Brown, and his future. Barring a sudden turnaround here and at least two playoff series victories, there's no chance that Brown is back. Do you agree? Well, I can't say no chance. Um, I, I can't say no chance. Um, it's a pandemic. A lot of teams have lost money. They do owe him money. I don't know if the Sixers are automatically going to eat money on a contract. I think he signed through 2021, 20, 2022. So it's not, I don't think, I think for that reason, it's not a lot. The Ben Simmons injury is a reality. It, it just is. Um, maybe they, nothing, maybe it wouldn't make a bit of difference, but it is a reality that he, it would something would have been different if he was able to play. So I, I don't think it's a slam dunk, but it will be hard to sell to the fan base. The fan base is done with it. Like he has to win this series. And it's probably unfair because the Celtics are better in the current form. Like this oh, yeah. Celtics team, is more talented and better than this Sixers team. Yet if he loses, he will take more of the blame than the GM or anybody else, even though stacked up on paper or just period, the Celtics are better. He'll still get the blame for it. So I, I don't think it's a lock that he's going because of the money, but I do think the city will want to riot, even though we're not allowed to, 
if they do bring him back. <laughs> well, I've, I've read a lot of things along the same line about Elton Brand. Uh, the fan base isn't isn't thrilled with him either at this point. No, and he made some mistakes with the roster construction. Um, the bully ball situation um didn't work for a basic reason that I don't think. All right. Him playing big and being big and being long does have advantages. And I do think, again, if Ben Simmons was playing, I actually think they would win this series because Tatum, the game that he has, Thibel really did a good job on him. If you have Ben Simmons and Thibel to go at Jason Tatum, I think it's a very different series, like a, a tremendously different series. Like Ben Simmons holds him to under 40% shooting consistently when they go head-to-head. But the issue with the bully ball was, outside of Joel Embiid, none of those guys get to the foul line. So if you're not going to shoot threes, you have to be able to manufacture points other ways. And if they were just getting to the line 10, 15 times more than opponents on a nightly basis, which is true bully ball, they absolutely can make up for the lack of shooting and the lack of spacing. But the problem is Embiid's in the top 10 of getting to the foul line, and no one else does. Horford's historically low. Richardson never gets to the foul line. Simmons, until very recently, never wanted to get to the foul line. So at that point, you can't really bully anybody because you're not getting fouled. You can't only let B get – if they all attacked the rim and they all were getting fouled, you wouldn't notice the lack of shooting and the turnovers, et cetera, because at the end of the game, the other team would take 22 foul shots, Sixers would take 34 and win the game because they'd make, you know, whatever percentage of it, they score eight more points a game, and this middling or 22nd-ranked offense becomes eighth. And you go, oh, look at them. They're in the top 10 in offense, top 10 in defense. So that's where I think he made a mistake. They don't get fouled. Therefore, it's not really a bully ball team because the only one player is doing any bullying. Look at last night. And B gets to the line like 12 times. I don't think anybody else took more than four. Hey, Ty, uh, speaking of the Celtics, is it my imagination or Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum improved more in their short careers than uh, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid have in theirs with the Sixers. And is that a function of coaching or just the players on their own or what? No, I think you're wrong about Embiid. Embiid is the most skilled big man in the league. He does a a million things. I don't think that uh, his issues have been health-wise, as you mentioned, reliability. But as far as the skill set goes, it's just through the roof. There's nobody else that can do all the things that he does on both ends with Ben Simmons, he doesn't shoot. So yeah, flat out. Yeah. Like he, he that's something so fundamental yeah. that, he, and because he's a good enough player, he can get away with it at times. But the fact that he doesn't shoot is just a killer. Now I can't blame the coach for that though. That is yeah. honestly, I can't blame you. I can't blame the coach for Embiid's health and, and I can't or conditioning or any of that. That's on him. And I can't blame the coach for Ben Simmons not shooting. I don't think another coach will automatically, a lot of fans think this, oh, they'll get rid of Brett Brown and then Ben Simmons will just shoot. I don't think it's automatic. Well, now maybe what'll happen is he'll look at himself and say, I contributed to this coach being fired, this and stuff like that, or this next coach might not use me the right way. I need to change up. But I don't think it's just a slam dunk that you just fired a coach and now all of a sudden Ben Simmons is going to take five or six or 10 or whatever jump shots a game. So honestly, I actually don't hold the coach responsible for either. I think that they Ainge did a good job, especially with Brown. People knew Tatum could play, especially with Brown. He targeted a guy from Cal that a lot of people didn't necessarily know about and saw the raw materials, and he's worked hard to develop. So I don't think Stevens had much to do with it either. I think a lot of this just has to do with the guys. And in Ben Simmons' case in particular, I don't think I don't think Phil Jackson would have been would have been able to get him to shoot to this point 
because he just seems averse to it for whatever reason. And yeah. he can never be the guy that we think he can be until he shoots. Yep. Well, hey, Ty, before we let you go, I got to ask you, uh, it sounds like you're not you're not feeling like the Sixers going to be able to get this thing done. Is, uh, is that your prediction or are you allowed to make a prediction? No, I made I made that prediction. Um, I don't feel great about it. Um, I, I don't feel great about it. Once Ben Simmons went down, it changed everything. Um, they actually match up really well with Boston when Ben Simmons is in there because of how long they are. They can throw length at those wings that you mentioned, Brown. So so in crunch time, you're either throwing Thibel, Simmons, and then Richardson on help. Kemba Walker really can't do a whole lot as a six-foot guard against the really tall lineup. Honestly, with Ben Simmons, I think they would win that series, and we look at things very differently. Without Ben Simmons, I just don't know how they're going to get enough stops and how they manufacture enough offense either. Joel Embiid was able to seal sometimes in the fourth quarter, and they weren't able to get him the ball because who's the point guard right now? Like, who's the – like, Shake Milton was really a combo guard at being asked – who has very little experience being asked to play the point guard position. And for that reason, I don't feel great about the series. I want them to win. I'm rooting for them to win, obviously. But I just don't see a path with this roster without Ben Simmons. I, I just don't see it. All right. I got two final things for you, Ty. First of all, I just want to congratulate you and Mike and Natalie. You did an amazing job, you know, between March and July, four hours every day when there were no actual games to talk about. So how nice is it, first of all, to have these games, three sports and soon four back to talk about? No, it's fantastic. I mean, it's fantastic. I mean, it's a tough time. We're not digging ditches. So, like, you know, during, during the pandemic and we're all happy to be there and be able to try to, you know, manufacture things but it's so much better when we have real things to talk about flyers obviously playing at just the highest of levels especially the goalie carter hart playing at that kind of level and in in my lifetime uh, outside of a couple years of hexstall part one i've never been i've never seen that like i've I always heard about the flyers running into the hot goalie and all that kind of yeah. stuff now to see other teams run into the quote unquote hot goalie which was to me always code for our offense wasn't good enough but having that there <laughs> just really makes a big difference and then obviously the Phillies playing and it looks like that they're they're probably going to be able to pull off this major league baseball season it's just going to be weird and have a million uh double headers at the end so it, it's a good feeling to have sports back and my last thing Ty uh, and forgive me but as a fellow music guy I need to tell you you underrate Rod Stewart and you overrate Queens of the Stone Age no I, I do not Rod Stewart is not <laughs> stop with Rod Stewart I don't Rod, understand Rod, legend all right I'll tell you what, name, what are your five favorite Rod Stewart songs? Maggie May, which you are sick of. Yeah, but I, I'm aware of a Maggie May. All right, okay. maybe five. Hot Legs, fantastic. Okay. You're in my heart. I know it's a ballad. It's a little sappy, but it's a pretty darn good song. You're getting shaky, but keep going. Sappy, sappy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then his songs with the faces, which I got to include in there. See, but that's right there. And, and this all goes back to when someone we, there was an argument, just so you know the origin of this, for people to know yeah. the origin is, people put Rod Stewart on the same level of Billy Joel and Elton John. And I said that that's a mistake. He's not in their league. There's tears. It's kind of like, <laughs> even if you think he's a Hall of Famer, like Troy Aitman's in the Hall of Fame, but yeah. no one thinks he's Brady. I'm saying if, if Elton John gotcha. and Billy Joel are Brady, <laughs> Rod Stewart's Aitman. <laughs> All right, I'll let you slide, Ty. That's a, that's a great analogy right there. <laughs> yes, He's in is. there, but yeah. No, I appreciate you guys having me. All right, Ty, thanks a lot, and uh, good luck to the Sixers, and good luck on your show. We we always enjoy it. 
I appreciate it. And good luck on to the Flyers. I see all the Flyer stuff in the background. I'm really excited. Let me ask you real fast before I go at yeah. you. So you've been following the team, obviously, forever. Yep. If you took Carter Hart and put him during the Lindros era, and let's say mm. Lindros has the concussions and still has the issues, but for all those years, including that MVP year, you had Carter Hart in that. How many, if any, cups do you think he could have won if you were if you were able to do that? A couple for sure. Well, we've lost we've lost six, so <laughs> we've gotten to the final six times and lost. So we certainly could have won some of those for sure. I always wonder about that Detroit one when it was so bad. But if you just have a goalie that's pitching shutout. Right. You extend that series. I thought Lindros was starting to play better as that series went on finally. Yeah. And had it got to a game five, six, seven, maybe they would have been able to pull it out if they had great goaltending and not Gar Smith. They're going to win a couple with Carter Hart. I guarantee you, Ty. Yeah, the big, the big difference to me, Ty, that I see is those turnovers that the Flyers make have always yeah. made, always ended up in the back of the net. Yeah. Now they make that turnover. Carter Hart does the job. There is a Lawton had two the other in uh, the last game. Stoned them twice, like no yeah. big deal. So, yeah, yeah. those are so, goals, those are goals in past years. Right, right. Well, I was just always been curious about that one. Like, yeah. if you could ever piece together the roster because he looks that good. Absolutely. Enjoy the ride, Ty. All right, Ty. Appreciate, appreciate it. it. Talk to you guys later. All See right. Hey, Chet. Let's take a quick break. Thank our friends at the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page, so people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They continue to run out great autograph memorabilia for all the Philly teams and more. They have 11 line razzes, mystery boxes, and now a memorabilia shop, Jet. Check out their Facebook page. Like them or follow them. It's PPCC 118 Raz Room and PPCC 118 Raz Room Shop on Facebook. Yes, uh, indeed. Yeah, all right. Hey, check. Great guests tonight in Lou and Tyrone. Man, they, those guys are good. Who do we have coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week? You've got the bar high again. You keep it on. Oh, I got a couple of good ones for you next week, Bill. We're going to be back on Wednesday next week, by the way, the 26th. And we've got a pair of first-time visitors coming on with us. And I'll tell you, I'm really looking forward to having both of them join us. Uh, first off, we're going to talk baseball with a key member of those 1993 National League champion Phillies. His name is Mitch the Wild Thing Williams. Mitchie and, and he says nothing is off limits, so that's going to be fun. Mitch Williams talking with us about whatever we decide to throw at him. And you'll recall, Bill, that back in April, we had the great Bernie Perrant on with us to talk flyers and all things hockey. Well, next week, we're going to talk to another member of the Perrant family, his daughter, Kim who is not only a huge Flyers fan, but she's the co-owner and operator of Biscuit Tees. They make some awesome T-shirts and face coverings and also played a big role in the Oscar Strong campaign over the past eight or nine months. So we can't wait to talk to both Kim and Mitch next Wednesday, the 26th. Uh, it's going to be fun. And, and hey, before I forget, Chet, because uh, we got to talk to the Little Eagles for just a second, happy anniversary to you, Mr. Chesco, and Miss Linda, for putting up with you, Mr. Chesco. That's part two of my parting shot. <laughs> Stay oh, tuned. <laughs> who knew? Who knew? You got a twofer. Oh, there you go. Great minds. Hey, Chet, Eagles are in pads. Injuries are already happening. Derek Barnett, Javon Hargrave already nicked up. It looks like they're even on a kind of a week-to-week -week basis, not even a day-to-day -day basis. Regular season starts in three and a half weeks. Um, 
I guess that's why they signed Vinny Curry. They knew what we didn't. And because uh, Derek Barnett looks like he could be in a little trouble here going to the opening of the season. Yeah, he's kind of the Roman Quinn of the Eagles. He can't stay healthy anymore, it seems. So all that's certainly not good news. Uh, you got to get these guys healthy. I mean, they haven't even played a preseason game and they're getting hurt. Uh, I got to tell you, though, Bill, because of the pandemic and the lack of in-person reporting from training camp until yesterday, I've been having a tough time getting excited at all about the football season, especially with all the other three sports so busy right now. I'm still hoping that they will pull it off and get the season started as scheduled in early September. But as I said, with all the other sports going on right now, I honestly don't have a whole lot of excitement yet about an Eagles season that, as you noted, starts in 25 or 26 days, if all goes well. Yeah, and you know, Jed, since you mentioned that, off of the Eagles, but back to the Phillies, I kind of feel that way about watching the Phillies games. Sitting there watching the games with no crowds, no crowd noise, and I know they're trying to do their best to simulate the game. It's just, I mean, I end up listening to it. You know, I'm listening to it, but I'm just not watching it. And I'm not, I just don't have it. You know, I just don't feel it. Yeah. I'm I'm feeling it a little bit with the baseball. I actually like the cardboard cutouts and, you know, as opposed to having nothing there. I mean, I'd rather have people, obviously, but I like having the cardboard cutouts as an alternative. And I do like what they're trying to do with the, uh, you know, the simulated crowd noise there. I think it does make a difference. And kudos to both the NHL and NBA also for what they've done with the crowd noise and the like the Zoom fans in the background. And also to Mark Zumoff and Jim Jackson, who are broadcasting these games by looking at a monitor. And, you know, that you might think that's easier because it's you're seeing everything up close, but you're not seeing the full scheme of what's going on. You know, guys coming from different angles. So kudos to both. Mark Zumoff and Jim Jackson for the job they've done under these circumstances. Did you happen to see the little piece they did at intermission today with Jim Jackson up in his booth? I did not. I wanted to, but yeah, I, I'm here at work and I didn't really get to focus on it. Yeah, it was kind of cool. Jim showed us how he does it. He's got two screens. He's oh, got wow. a wide screen and a, and a smaller screen. Tries to watch the wide screen more so that he can see when the ref is, has his hand up for a penalty okay. or whatever. But Bill Clement is not in the same booth. Right. He's got a wall between a window wall between yeah. them and he's over there. And they actually went in and showed uh, Jim doing his lead in for the the start of the period. Uh, it was kind of weird. He's sitting there in, a, in an easy chair looking at a TV screen and broadcasting the game. It was kind of a weird. Kind of <laughs> I weird. wish I would have seen. I'll try to catch that online because that's I want to see that. Yeah, it was kind of neat. But yeah, football's upon us. Looks like at least pro football is going to probably happen. Uh, College football looks like it's probably not going to happen, at least up here in the north. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about that later in August when they know for sure what's going on, and we'll have a nice uh, football guest on to talk about it all. Absolutely. Well, hey, Jeff, Modified updated our Philly Press Box website. We keep it going. You can now watch his podcast, our Vimeos, current Philly sports articles. Uh, the YouTube channel is rolling along. Yeah, uh, be sure to check out our YouTube channel. As you said, we got video versions of our shows since April or May. There's, I don't know, 16 of them, plus lots of other cool stuff, including segments with the great Willie Nile and a couple of area DJs, Debbie Calton and Tom Cunningham. Much more. Go to our YouTube channel, subscribe to Philly Press Box Radio. And don't forget, if you want to buy one of our fabulous T-shirts, neither of which we're wearing tonight, uh, you got an orange flyer shirt on, understandably, and I have a red 
Dick Allen shirt on, which I'll talk to you. But if you want a Philly Press Box Radio t-shirt, check out our website, get all the details, and order one. We'll get it out to you in a matter of days. Yeah, we had to fan up today with the shirts. Yes. And one, look, you brought them good luck. That's right. All right. Let's get to your parting shot because we've already hit on two of the topics, so we don't want to miss it. Yeah, uh, as our viewing audience can see, I'm wearing a red Dick Allen Crash uh, T-shirt, which I purchased, by the way, from our fra our pal Frog, Mark Carfagno. Uh, as we've discussed before, Dick Allen was my favorite Philly when I started watching baseball as a kid in the 1960s. And uh, the other reason I'm wearing this shirt and I'm happy about it is because the news came down last Thursday that the Phillies will be retiring Dick's number 15 next month. It's a shame fans can't be there for some sort of an in-person ceremony, but hey, this is 2020, so that's the way it is. But still, it is quite an honor for the Phil's former slugger. And as you know, all of the other Phillies who've had their number retired are in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Dick Allen is not just yet, but there's a lot of optimism that he will get there. He'll be formally voted in this November or December, I guess, by the Golden Days Committee. We sure hope so. And I'm guessing you're holding the Dick Allen autographed baseball. That is a Dick Allen autographed baseball right on the shelf over here in the press box. Oh, man. All right. So here's Dick Allen right here for our viewing audience from back in his playing days and uh, from about 10 or 12 years ago. Boy, I sure hope he does get the nod this December. I think the Phillies are confident that he will. I know Frog is confident, and I hope it does happen. Another thing, Bill, on a more personal note, as you alluded to also, tomorrow the 19th is something of a special day in the Chesco household because it was exactly 25 years ago that Linda and I tied the knot. Look at these young guys right here. And, yes, I'm sure, as you alluded to, that she is something of a saint for all she's put up with, all my shenanigans over these 25 years. Uh, so happy anniversary to us. And, you know, I look at this picture and I say, what the hell happened to me? <laughs> well, I'm wondering what happened to your hair. Yeah, well, I, at least I still have some. And and how many years is it? 25 years tomorrow. Five. All right. Well, congratulations to you and congratulations to Miss Linda. Yes, uh, we will. Uh, I'm taking off Thursday and Friday from work and we will celebrate a couple of day trips. And hey, one thing I got for you before you go, you mentioned that you're a big Robert Redford fan and uh, that you like both the Sting and Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. They're definitely among my favorites, although I have to go back and watch Butch Cassidy again. I've only seen it once when I was like 12 or 13. I got to go back and watch that again. But I looked at his list of movies. He's done 43 movies that he's acted in. And believe it or not, I've only seen eight of them. My favorite would be The Sting. I also loved All the President's Men. In the late 90s, he did The Horse Whisperer, which was actually a very good movie. The Old Man and the Gun just came out two years ago. I highly recommend that. He and Sissy Spacek just two years ago, and he said it's his final movie. And further down on my list, Bill, is The Natural, because I only saw The Natural once when it came out in the mid-80s, and i got to be honest, I didn't love it. I know a lot of people think it's one of the best baseball movies. It didn't work for me. Did you see it, and what did you think of The Natural? Oh, yeah, I've seen it. Uh, yeah, it's a feel-good story, but, uh, yeah, I, I liked it. I liked it. I've seen it several times. And I've seen Butch Cassidy probably 100 times. Roy Hobbs. Yeah, i got to watch Butch Cassidy again. You know, I've never seen, though, some of his bigger, more popular, critically acclaimed movies, like The Way We Were, The Great Gatsby. A Bridge Too Far, The Electric Horseman, and more recently, All Is Lost from seven years ago. I never saw any of those. So there you go. Robert Redford, 84 years old today. Happy birthday, Sir Redford. 
All right. One thing I want to throw at you, Chet, while we just have a minute. What do you yep. think about the unwritten rules of baseball? Did you get to see that? I saw the headline. I didn't read the story. So tell me about it. Okay. So Tatis is at the plate. His team is winning 10 to 3. Bases are loaded. He's got a 3 0 count. And the guy throws him a meatball. And he hits it and knocks out a cardboard fan out in right center field for a grand slam. Yeah. And the opposing manager wasn't thrilled, but his own manager apologized for breaking the unwritten baseball rule of rolling up the score. Didn't want to make it look like they were rolling up the score, but they always have the green light and they didn't put the take sign on for him. They threw him a meatball. He hit it and his own manager apologizes. I'm calling. BS on unwritten baseball rule. Your job is to get yeah. me on. My job is to get a hit. I'm with you. I never understood that. I mean, you're just supposed to like give up if it's a seven or eight run game in the seventh inning. No, teams can come back. I don't buy it either, Bill. So, hey, we agree on something for a change. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, and there was two innings to go. I mean, anything yeah. can happen, right? Exactly. Wrap All it up, right. Bill. Let's wrap it up. Uh, thank tonight's special guest. Lou Nolan and Tyrone Johnson, our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Room, and Dave LaVoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. And thank you, Big Al, too. Good night, everybody. For Jim Chet Chesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, August the 26th at 7 p.m. You can see us live on Facebook or listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com, slash phillypressboxradio, on Google Podcasts, as well as Apple Podcasts and others. Let's go Sixers. Let's go Flyers. Hi, Holmes, Philadelphia sports fan. 